Assalamualaikum Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Sheikh, how are you this afternoon? Fine, fine, alhamdulillah, how's yourself? I'm alhamdulillah, Sheikh, the flow is all yours, bismillah, inshallah And yesterday we spoke on Nabi Yunus, inshallah And before we actually get into that, we hope to be able to ask everybody for their duas, inshallah A'udhu billahi min shaitan al-rajim, bismillahir rahmanir rahim Alhamdulillahi wahda wa salatu wa salamu ala madla nabiya ba'd Rabbi sharah li sadri wa yasid li amri wahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Allahumma allimna bima yanfa'una wa anfa'ana bima allamtana وارزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والإكرام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله All thanks and praises due to Allah always and forever and love and salam to our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The last and final message of Allah sent to you and to me to your offspring and to mine to all humanity to guide us and take us off the tariqah of jahl and off the tariqah of jahiliyyah and to take us unto the tariqah of Allah's Jannah called the Sirat al-Mustaqim. May Allah grant us to be of those who recognize how fortunate we are and be ready to put our hands out to our Prophet that he can grab us and he can hold to us and he can guide us, you and me and all of us, on that Sirat al-Mustaqim so that you and I can be of the Muslim Ummah who submitted to this Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillah, as we said, we'll make our du'as first. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والآقبة للمتقين والجنة للموحدين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين يا رب ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار ودخلنا الجنة مع العبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحانك الله سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله in our lesson yesterday, alhamdulillah, we were dealing with the message of Nabi Yunus and we saw what happened to Nabi Yunus and we were looking into the verses of Allah in Surah Al-Anbiya, Surah number 21 and we saw how Allah speaks to us and tells us today we'd want to go to the next verse same Surah, Surah number 21, verse number 88 
would love to be able to show you and see what a lotus is there. But that is not the only surah where you find the issue about Nabi Yunus. There's other places in the Quran that Allah, Allah also speaks to us about Nabi Yunus. But I'd like to be able to take you to another surah if you don't mind. The name of the surah is Surah Safat. Surah Safat is the one immediately after Surah Yasin. In that surah, verse 139 to 148, if you probably can do some research, as what we've tried to share with you, go there and you'd see how much have Allah to share with us about Nabi Yunus. Now, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting thing for what we actually share with you to be able to notice that Allah would have shared these things with us in the Holy Quran. As we say to you in Surah uh, Anbiya, it was Surah, uh, uh, surah number 21. Um, in that Surah, Allah speaks to us in, in verse number 87 and 88. In verse number 87, we saw Allah speaks to us. Uh, 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 and we've mentioned you the things that Allah mentioned there. Now, I probably want to mention to you what Allah says, said to us. And then Noon, the possessor of the Noon, Allah says, which is Nabi Yunus, when he went off in anger and imagined that we shall not punish him, the calamities which had befallen him. But he carried through the darkness, he cried through the darkness, La ilaha illa anta subhanak inni kuntu min al-dhalimin. None has the right to be worshipped except thee, O Allah. Glorified and exalted are you, Allah. Above all the evil and the, they associate with you, Allah, you are glorified greater than that. I have been of the wrongdoers. That was the words of Nabi, Nabi Yunus. Now Allah called Nabi Yunus in the Quran, the noon, the possessor of the noon. Now the word the noon means the possessor who possesses noon, meaning when he spoke to Allah, he used the words where the noon was constant and he says to Allah La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu minadhalimuin Now if you listen to the words after La ilaha illa anta subhanak there's a noon in subhanaka inni verily I kuntu there's a noon there, the word kuntu. Min, the word min there, the word noon again. Dhalimin, and it ends on a noon too. So with those words used where the noon was so common in Allah called Nabi Yunus, the noon, the possessor of the noon, at the time when he was in the valley of the whale calling to Allah, crying to Allah. Right? So, after having mentioned that, and, and we've shown you what has happened with Nabi Yunus, so Allah then makes a statement in the verse after that, and Allah says, فَاسْتَجَبْنَا لَهُ وَنَجَّيْنَاهُ مِنَ الْغَمِّ وَكَذَلِكَ نُنْجِي الْمُؤْمِنِينَ فَاسْتَجَبْنَا لَهُ Nabi Yunus were perpetuating, were calling, were crying. Remember we, tell, we were telling you the state that he was in, in the belly of the whale, and he didn't know exactly where he was, and he was in this pressure, and the uncomforts that actually took Okay, where the water came in gushing at high speeds and a lot of water in him and covered him and he felt in it any moment or every moment for that three days and three nights as he was in the belly of that whale. 
for that long period he felt that he was going to go and die any moment and every moment he comes back and when he gets the opportunity to say these words he says it aloud and when it, and, and, and because he also got to watch the fact that when the water is l- less in the position where he is and it's not he needs to breathe in and needs to keep his breath as long as he probably can and all that had an effect on the, f- the, the, the issue and that's not always saying it but sometimes thinking of what he needs to say. Shukran so much for that Sheikh. We are still by our first segment being Knowing My Lord and do know that you can send through your questions to WhatsApp as well as our SMS line if you have any questions with regards to what Sheikh is being mentioning. Sheikh is now going to be recapping as to where Sheikh stopped before the break. Sheikh Bismillah. Shukran Yasmina. Um, before the break, we were dealing with uh, the issue of uh, knowing my Lord, and uh, we were dealing on the th- Nabi Nabi Yunus, and we were speaking about Nabi Yunus, and we were referring, referring to what happened and what Allah said uh, to us about him in Surah number twenty-one, Surah Ambiya, and uh, verses number eighty-seven and eighty-eight. In uh, verses eighty-seven, we mentioned about why Allah why Allah mentioned him to be the Noon. And then we went into verse number uh, 88 and we wanted to show what Allah then says as a statement after what has happened to Nabi Yunus tonight. Now remember, uh, we've given you the background background of Nabi Yunus as a person whom Allah has sent as a Nabi to a people and he had to be able to bear with the challenges of those people until Allah decides what Allah wants. But he has actually made his own judgment and, 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 and reacted and left the people. Right? Which wasn't the, 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 the expectation for him to do. And because of that, Allah put him into a, a challenge. And, and, and Allah put him into a further challenge to let us understand the same would happen to you and me. But when you and me can come to the sense of recognizing what we've done and where our wrongs are and what shortcomings we have and our faults and our errors, and we admit to ourselves and we are like Nabi Yunus. Allah says to him, We listened to him and we responded to his call. And we delivered him from the distress and we helped him and we saved him and took him out of the circumstances, the uncomforts that he was in. Allah shows to us because of Nabi Yunus' commitment, because of his admission of guilt, because he was blaming nobody else, because he was admitting to the fact that he was a sinner and he was at fault and he is to be blamed 100% for everything. He didn't look at what they did at that moment, he looked at it himself and he blamed nobody else. He says to Allah, I am the sinner. Inni kuntu min I am surely one of those wrongdoers, the sinners, the harmful people, the harm, the ones who's in the negativity. He blamed himself. He says that, and obviously through the fact of admission of guilt, he calls to Allah and says to Allah, "You are the, you are great. You have got so many good powers." And he uses those words in that period of time where it was so uncomfortable. And he called that continuous. And he called that. And he called that. In the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or various ahadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa tells us what happened to Nabi Yunus that Allah heard the calling of Nabi Yunus and even the malaika heard his call and they heard the persistence of him 
and he perpetuating calling it over and over and in the stress he found himself in in the severe stresses and uncomfort he called out and he called out and he called out and he kept on calling and was submitted to calling and he didn't give in Allah says we heard him we heard his submission we heard his call we heard he's blaming nobody else and he's taking full guilt for, for, for his wrong that he did. And he was begging us because of that. He begged us for his, our pardon. And Allah asked the Malaika, uh, Do you know who that person is? In one of the relations it says that he said, the Malaika said, Oh Allah, we know that voice. We, we know that person. We know him. He's somebody that calls and relates to you and interacts with you. He's one of your dear slaves. Oh Allah, he always speaks to you. But oh Allah, for now, we seem not to know where his location is. He seems to... Uh, uh, we, 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 as, as if we do not know where he is Now obviously at that moment he was in the belly of the whale And there was no specific location He was in the, in the sea, in the ocean And it, the, this whale was traveling through the oceans Or through the various uh, oceans that there is As, as some scholars are saying this, this whale traveled with him right through the earth Right around the earth for that three days and three nights and in that circumstances, Allah heard him, and Allah accepted his prayer. lahu. We answered his praises, Allah. He made the calling. He called unto us, and we listened to him. lahu. Wanajaynahu, and we gave him safety. We, we saved him out of the calamity that he was in. We removed him out of that. We took him out of that calamity so that that calamity that he was going through now and he's, the uncomfort and severity that he found himself in, he, because of his commitment, his realization, his dependence, his tawakkul, his yaqeen on Allah, and he believed that Allah is the only answer for no matter what his problem was. And he called unto Allah and he blamed nobody else for his actions and he blamed himself. Allah says, الغم, We removed him out of the ghum. And that Allah then, after the third day, allowed the whale to vomit him out of the whale's body. And Allah, Allah allowed him to be in a state of unconsciousness in the water. He did not know where he was and Allah Ta'ala saved him and sent him ashore where he came to his senses. When he came, found himself ashore on, a, on the shore, he was being, uh, uh, above him there was a tree growing and uh, uh, this thing gave shade to him so the sun was not baking him there. And he could come to his senses and he came out and Allah says, and then we send him to another people who in actual fact to whom so, uh, listen to him and take to his path. Yeah. And but Allah will carry on in this verse, and Allah says, وَكَذَلِكَ نُنْجِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And Allah speaks to us and tells us, remember, Allah don't inform us about stories. Or it's like storytelling. Yes, it is stories. Yes, it is, but it's real stories. It happened as a reality. It's not a deduction that we're calling. It's a reality. In the world that we are living in today, we always want to find, but where did this happen? 
Where's the proof? Where's this? The proof is Allah in 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 the uh, 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 um, lab of life. In the lab of human life, of the life of the of humanity, in that lab, Allah has made the test there, and the test has proven that the result is, and Allah gives us the result even in that lab. So that lab has shown that these things were tested, and the results is according to that lab. The result is the best result for humanity, and Allah is. The person who allows that lab to exist and Allah uses the best of Allah's creation, the Anbiya, to allow you and me to be able to know that everything, everything is absolutely factual as happened here. This is not a story like a, a once upon a time story and tell you about uh, Goldilocks or uh, Snow White and, and the seven, seven dwarfs and it's a made up story and there's no base and no reality to it. This is, these are realities that is factual that's taken place and every detail thereof. Allah Ta'ala is the one that gives us those details. And every detail is absolutely factual. This, and remember, no matter what man can do to want to say that we need to have proof, has this thing been tested? The life has tested it. The facts is so factual that Allah shows it has been tested in the, in the lab called life. In the lab of life, it's been tested with the highest forms of equipment. The equipment that Allah has given to humanity. And Allah puts all those facts in the Quran to allow us to understand. Everything's been tested out to the fact Allah shows us what has happened and the results and what will happen. So what Allah says, what is the results? Allah says, وَكَذَلِكَ So Allah takes us away from the story and Allah turns to you and me. And Allah speaks to us and Allah says, Like what happened to Nabi Yunus, that challenges which put onto him and his load that he had to take and the things that he had to do, which if he did not fulfill, Allah is going to put more challenges onto him simply because Allah cared and loved for him. And those extra challenges that are on you and me, that seems to be so unbearable, so uncomfortable. It's the intense love of Allah for you and me. And Allah says, and if you and me can submit to Allah and we can cry to Allah and we can beg like Nabi Yunus perpetuating and calling and screaming and admitting to the fact that we are the sinners and we are at fault and blame nobody else and accept the reality Allah says like that those people who believe in me firmly who have their trust in me firmly who have their tawakkul in me firmly who knows it's not the doctor it's not the hospital, it's not the medicine, who knows it's not the bank, who knows it's not the, the wealth that they have that grants me the abilities, but it all happens those things are means but it happens per the decree of Allah and I trust Allah and I firmly believe and I call to Allah and I show to Allah till my first yaqeen, my tawakkul is not on the, the money, not the doctor, not the, 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 the medicine not the things that there is in my life, not the bank that I can go to, but the trust is in my trust, Allah. And I believe in Allah, and my yaqeen is in Allah, and my tawakkul is on Allah. I depend and rely on Him, and not on anything, anything of His creation. Subhanak. If I do that, Allah says, like that, the believers, when they do that, 
I will save them as well, no matter what the calamities, no matter the challenges, no matter what I've put them through. I will give them, like I've given to Nabi Yunus, freedom thereafter. I will take them out of it. And so nothing that they live with in this world is going to remain forever. The moment they turn to me, I'm sometimes going to take people out of their calamities when they turn to other things also. But I promise you, if you believe in me, I will grant you the success that I've granted Nabi Yunus. I will also give you a replacement of what has happened prior to something other, simply because of the challenge that I've put you through. May Allah grant us to be those people who realize how fortunate we are when Allah speaks to us and Allah reminds us in that surah. Now, if I probably can take you to the other surah, um, which is called Surah Safat, and we see what Allah tells us in Surah Safat, uh, it's just immediately after Surah Yasin. Yeah, shukran so much for that, Sheikh. The voice Surah Yasin is, is, is Surah number 36, and so Surah number 37 is the next Surah, inshallah. Sorry for that, man. No problem, Sheikh. You can continue. We have a few minutes left before we go for okay, us, so we can continue, inshallah. In that, that, in that Surah, we said Allah speaks to us, and Allah mentions to us in verses a hundred and thirty-nine to a hundred and forty-eight. hundred thirty-nine to hundred. Now, if for that matter, if you people can go there to be able to check, it would be very, very healthy. A hundred and thirty-nine, that we can see what does Allah to say to us and how does Allah to speak to us, right? And tells us about the story of Nabi Yunus. Okay, shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We have been in our first segment being Knowing My Lord, which she was speaking about what Nabi Yunus salam, went through. And for now, we are now at 2.40, and this is the time where we cross over to our next topic being I'm a Muslim, what is expected of me? So, Sheikh, you can be smiling. Shukran, jazakallah for that one, Auntie Yasmina. Um, uh, we, we're now in the second segment, and we're busy at I am a Muslim, so what is expected of me? In this segment, we've dealt with the Salah, and we were busy in the pre-requests for Salah, we were busy on the wudu, and we've gone to the, uh, what is the type of things uh, recommended for us, or the sunnah acts related to the, to the ablution, right? And we've covered, we've, we've covered that process, and we hope to be able to take uh, you to the end of that. Uh, just look at what those things is that there is. I would just like to mention to us is the, the few things. We came to the agreement, there's 10 things that is recommended there for us in, in the Sunnah Acts, and said that using the Miswak was the one, washing the hands three times at the beginning, and combining together the rinsing of the nose and the mouth. The third one, the fourth one is to be able to do an extensive pulling of water into the nose. The fifth one was starting with the right side, then the left side, whatever there is, two of like the hands of the arms and the the the, um, the feet. Number six was rubbing the fourth arm, the forearms, rubbing the forearms. Number seven, washing each part three times. Number eight was the proper order that we had to follow of the wudu. The ninth is that there is a dua or a, a dhikr that we make after the du'a. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammad rasulullah. Allah maj'anni min al-tawwabin wa ja'anni min al-mutatahirin wa ja'anni min ibadik al-salihin. These were the, the nine. The tenth one was performing the two, two raka'ats after the wudu. Which means those are the seven things, the ten things recommended for us. Now, we've reached that level. We're now going to the other ones. As, uh, what was the things that negates the ablution? 
the things that actually, and we said there that the first, the things that comes out of the private parts, and then we said if you're a person that's in a deep sleep, um, and then we said the thing, next one was, the third one was losing conscious due to intoxication. You're, the person's in, 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 in something like a coma or an illness. And the next one was, the fourth one was touching one's private part. And, and if you touch your private parts, then unfortunately um, it breaks the hoodoo. Um, and then we said the next one was eating camel meat. Um, I think that was the five that we covered there. And then we went to the acts which ablution is required for, which means you need to have ablution for these acts, right? What is those acts? There's actual fact only two of those acts. And, and, and we're dealing with that today, with the fact that Allah will have sent, and we, the, the verse that we've given you in Surah number 5, verse number 6, where we say to you, Allah says in Surah Al-Ma'idah, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu idha kumtum ila salati faghsilu hujuhakum wa aydiyakum ila al-marafiq wamsahu biru'usikum wa arjulakum ila al-ka'bayn. Wamsahu biru'usikum wa arjulakum ila al-ka'bayn. So this is what Allah Ta'ala mentions to us in the Holy Quran and, 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 and there Allah Ta'ala tells us about the, the very action of, of the wudu in that surah. Um, the, the first one we says that when a person enters into prayer he needs to have wudu. The second one the scholar says that we need to have wudu for is when a person wants to do tawaf around the Kaaba. Sakambulate around the Kaaba. You want to make tawaf around the Kaaba in Makkah. The Prophet says the cumulation in the house of the house is a type of prayer except that Allah has permitted speaking therein or during it. Right? So it's like it's like a prayer, it's like prayer, which means in to be able and the scholars is all you need to have who do when you in when to enter into into the state of of, 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 of performing tawaf, right? So in that state of tawaf, you must be able to have wudu. Like in the salah, you need to have wudu. Those are the only two known acts, according to the scholars, that we must have wudu for. We must have wudu for. Like we've said prior, the other things that are recommended for us to have wudu, um, but not necessary that you, you can have in many other occasions. So we're looking at what we're calling the required the, the acts which ablution is recommended for. We're looking at, oh, uh, you, it's recommended for you to be able to have wudu for the following things. Um, the acts for which ablution is recommended, right? When mentioning the name of Allah, or man to make dhikr, or recite Quran, or do, do, do anything with the name of Allah, then it is recommended to have wudu, right? It's a recommendation. Uh, there was one occasion the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was in the masjid and the Sahabi came to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he greeted the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. At that moment the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did not respond to him until and the Nabi indicated to him that he needed to take wudu. And then when he took wudu the Nabi then responded to him. Then he said nothing, but the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then said to him, nothing prevented me from responding to you except that I disliked mentioning Allah's name while in the state of purification. Meaning that if you are not pure yet, if you're not clean yet, 
it's I don't I don't uh, feel happy that I sh- that a person it's best for us to be able to have who do most of our time so it's an encouragement of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam to us that we should always try to have who do so that Allah Taala can grant us khair and barakah and our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam could respond to us at that moment. The second one is. That was the first one when we do any form of adhkar, remembrance or mentioning the name of Allah Ta'ala or reciting Quran. The first one. The second one is that when a person goes to sleep, when he goes sleeping, it is strongly recommended in the words of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when you go to bed, perform ablution like the ablution for prayer. Then lie on your right side and say the, and, and, and say the adhkar that there is to be made make the dhikr for protection by Allah Ta'ala. and if you do that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says if you die that night you will die with the fitrah and the, uh, the fitrah would mean that you are on the, fo- the fold of Islam may Allah accept from all of us and so the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has recommended that whenever we go to sleep that we take wudu before we go to sleep right and that uh that we actually make the adhkar and that it becomes part of your words that you make adhkar and the last and sleep and big of Allah till that and when you do that Allah till grants you as a means that Allah till will protect you that you will die live on the deen of Islam and Allah till grants us all to be able to be of those who follow that path righteously inshallah this the third one is if a person has had intercourse with his partner or her partner, if they've had intercourse, then unfortunately in that state, the state of, 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 of Janaba as they call it in Arabic, um, then it's recommended for that person to see that he takes hudu. For more than one reason, if he wished to eat or to drink after that, or after I mean that state, or he wants to go and sleep, or the person wants to repeat the intimacy with the partner, then it is strongly recommended that they both um, uh, actually clean their mouth um, and uh, that they take wudu. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. To such an extent that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says that if a person has been with his partner, or her partner, they've been together, they've been intimate with one another, and for them to be able to have to go back into the intimacy with one another, then they should be able to take ghusl, they take the, 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 the wudu, I mean, they take the wudu, and then when they take the wudu, Allah will grant the reason for that, they can enjoy one another again for the second time, and so forth. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are still in our second part of the program, being I'm a Muslim, what is expected of me? And here you can send through your questions via our WhatsApp as well as our SMS. For now, Sheikh is going to be continuing, inshallah, on this topic. I'm a Muslim, what is expected of me? Sheikh, bismillah. Shukran, jazakallah khair for this one, Yasmina. I was uh, we were dealing just before the break on the, the, the acts which the ablution is recommended for. We mentioned the fact that if a person is busy doing uh, in the car, mentioning the name of Allah or reading Quran, or that is the first one. The second one, the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam has recommended all of us to be able to go to bed at night with wudu. 
what we call sleep that we have wudu that we take wudu the third one was when a person has been in a state of janaba as we call it the sexual state he has been intimate with his partner or her the partner's been in, they've been intimate with one another then that person if he stands wake, wakes up or that he should actually be should take wudu uh, um, and 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 the person should be having uh, if, if for that matter he wants to eat or to drink or interact or relate to their partner or wants to to be with one another close again then the recommendation is before they become close again to be able to take the wudu again right and then the the, the fourth one is before a person making ghusl because it's found that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he normally whenever he went to take wudu he, he was in a state of janaba then his wife Aisha radiallahu anha tells us that when he was in that state of the janaba and he wanted to take a, 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 a ghusl he wanted to take a, a, a bath he would begin by washing his hands and then pour water from his right hand to his left hand and wash his private parts what we call the istinja and then he would make the ablution or the the, the wudu that is before uh, he would make the ablution for for what we normally do the ablution for the uh, wudu for for salah what he'd normally do and that is prior to him starting with the ghusl now this was the pattern of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam and we see sayyidina aisha radiallahu anha tells us this uh, details of the nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam um, there has been understanding that uh, in the fifth one, certain scholars went into certain ahadith of the mentioned the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam for eating when, when a person has eaten um, things that has been heated up with fire, that a person should have wudu. But later on, it was proven that the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam changed to that and did not mention that to the people again. And Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam um, was just uh, uh, doing the act of, 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 of just uh, abstained from from informing the Sahaba and just carried on when the Sahabi radiallahu an whom the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam informed prior that he said to the Nabi, oh Nabi, I saw the Prophet, uh, uh, O Messenger of Allah, saw you cut off and ate some of the eat, uh, and when the call was for prayer. Uh, uh, you took a you you did not take you went without taking a wudu the Nabi Salsam indicated to him that that is uh, that is permissible we could do it that way which means it was something that was mentioned prior uh, something that was changed um, and then the other reasons for why we need wudu is for every time we go and make salah right so the the sixth one is uh, when whenever we can make salah it would be recommended because it was also recommended the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam made wudu for every time he went to make salah. Sometimes the Nabi had wudu, he went to take wudu again. So it's recommended whenever, uh, every time we pray to be able to take wudu again if we have wudu. Now it's permissible to to go and perform your salah with the same wudu that you've done prior. But it was it is a recommendation that we try to have a, a new wudu every time we perform the salah. And then the other reasons for having wudu is whenever we break the wudu, it's strongly recommended that we take wudu again whenever we break the wudu, or, or for some reason or another we don't have wudu no more. Then it's recommended to be able to have wudu. 
um, that is the seventh one, the eighth one, is whenever we vomit, if there's vomiting that comes out of the body, then it's recommended, not a necessity, but a, a recommendation to be able to take to, to take wudu again. And like the, 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 the other one, the not the last one, the ninth one, is our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has recommended us whosoever washed the deceased should make the complete ghusl and whoever carries uh, the, 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 the disease should make a, a, a wudu. So it's a recommendation, a sunnah recommendation. It's not a necessity. The scholar says, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa advice was that. That is how do we go about with the fact that we, you and I, need to be able to, when we washed a disease, we should make a complete ghusl. And when we carry the mayit, the people carrying the mayit, should the best for them is to be able to take wudu, right? No, the wudu isn't broken because they carry the may Something happens with the body, uh, with our bodies in, in carrying the, 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 the deceased. Allah uh, would prefer for us to take the, the, take the, the, the wudu. No, it's not even far to be able to, 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 to wash the, the body, to wash yourself after you've washed the deceased. But it's strongly recommended. And say similarly with it, the advice of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa when we carry the mayit, then we should be making hudu again after that. Sheikh, we still do have a few minutes left before we go over to our news days. Okay, so we can continue, that. inshallah. Shukran uh, I, I think I just want to recap the processes that we've just done here so that so that we can uh, come to know exactly what is the acts uh, for which a recomm- uh, ablution or wudu is recommended for us, right? We, we mentioned whenever we want to make some dhikr or read to the Qur'an or, or, or any form of adhkar that we want to make or then it's recommended for us. Secondly, whenever we go to sleep. Thirdly, while in the state of being sexually uh, in Janaba as they call it. The fourth, um, when we take a ghusl, because the method of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa when he sallallahu alayhi wa took the ghusl, we saw that he took the wudu before the ghusl. And then um, they, they, we mentioned the fact that some people indicate to us that there was a certain ahadith with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa recommended for us whenever we've been using food or, or something to drink that has been used, you heated it up on the fire. That was at the beginning, and later on the, ch- the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa changed from that. The next one was, whenever we want to perform prayer again, it's recommended for us to be able to perform that prayer with wudu. Um, and whenever we've broken the wudu, to be able to see that we take wudu again. The other one is whenever we vomit, that we take wudu again. And we said, when we've carried the mayit, when you carry the mayit, then in that case, it's recommended for us to be able to take wudu again. And that brings us to the end of the process of those things that's recommended for us when we actually have to take wudu or should be taking wudu. Um, we're going to another part, part of the wudu. Now, there's a portion in wudu that's known to us as, this, it's known to us as the issue of the leather sock or the hoof. Now the hoof is part the hoof is part of the the wudu. 
Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. Now, Sheikh, before we head over and start on our topic still being, I'm a Muslim, what is expected of me, where Sheikh was speaking about the hudu as well as the huzul, but these questions that came through and say salam, Sheikh and salam all on board. The question, if you touch your private part with a towel or cloth, you have hudu, now you take a cloth and dry by your private parts. Does it break your hudu even if you huzul and take a hudu after huzul? Then dry you. Is your hudu valid? Shukran. Shukran for the question. I think it's a relevant question. The person asks the question if he takes, uh, 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 he touches while uh, um, drying himself after taking the huzul. Yeah. He touches his private parts, but the touch he says he's using a cloth or there's something in between his hand and his private parts, then in that case the hudu is not broken. If for that matter any portion of the hand touches touches the private parts, then it is broken. Now, if I also need to say, the scholar says to us, if you took, take your two hands and you put it against one another, and that portion that the, the that you cannot see now, that portion of the hands that you cannot see now, that portion is the portion where the nerve is very sensitive, and that portion is the portion, if you touch with it, it creates sensitivity on the touching of the portions of the body and touching one another. So that portion must not touch, which means you probably can touch your private parts with the back part of your hand. So if you dry your hand, your, your, your body, and you had wudu, you've taken wudu, and you want to now move your private parts, you take, the, you take your private parts um, from your back of the hand and you move the private parts to the one side and the other, then your wudu is not broken. That's what the scholars are saying to us. Because they say it is the, the front part of the hand which touches, that creates this effect of the emotion, that creates emotion and that you probably, the back part of the hand does not do the same. So you can move your private parts with the back of the hand. But if this person says, I've used a cloth on my hand, which the private, that portion of the hand, which I now cannot see, that touches, uh, uh, and, and that part person touches uh, the private parts whilst using a cloth, then unfortunately the wudu is broken. But if the person has used a cloth where that portion is not touching the private parts, then the wudu is intact. There's nothing wrong with that wudu. Thank you so much for that. And Ms. just to the end of that question, the person says, even if I take wudu afterwards again, now if a person has taken wudu the first time, for, uh, like the sunnah tariqah of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa that wudu goes, uh, goes right through. Goes right through, meaning he is in a state of wudu. So which means if he's taken the wudu and then made the, the, the ghusl, he's then considered to be in the state of wudu. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. Another question came through. Salam, Sheikh. When doing huzul, taking hudu inside the shower while naked, does this hudu stand as hudu for salah? Shukran. That is exactly what we said prior. Yes, while he's standing in, in the shower, while he, he's in a naked format, but he is in a, at a closed door. He's not in public. He's not open in front of everybody. And then uh, uh, when he's standing in the shower, he now takes hudu. That hudu is the hudu for sada. And, and then also another question, Sheikh, with regards to uh, the hudu that, you, that it's not a necessity when it, when it comes to a mayat. It says, Asanam, isn't the mayat's hudu invalid because of women ziyarating the male mayat and vice versa? Could we just repeat that question? 
Assalam. Isn't the Mayat's wudu invalid because mm. of the women ziyarating the male Mayat and vice versa? Okay. Um, the visiting of the, the, the people of the Mayat, there's nothing wrong with, it, with the wudu of that Mayat if people are visiting. But if the word visiting is a reference to the fact that they are touching on the body of that person, it's strongly recommended that we do not touch anybody that is not mahram to us. Right? If the person is a mahram to you, he's, he's deceased, you can touch his body. But if he's not mahram to you, you cannot touch him. Your son, I'm referring to the males now, the mayit is a son of yours, he's a brother of yours, and he's a, 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 a father of yours, and then in that case, they are, can all be your mahram or your husband. You, you can touch that person. This, that you, do, you cannot break the wudu of that person. Or that person's wudu is intact. Is nothing. But if you are not one of those people whom the person, the male you are coming to visit, and you touch that person, then you actually violate his wudu if you touch him, right? It's not recommended that we actually touch that person's body after he has been given the wudu for, 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 for the janazah. Yes. Similarly, on the female side, if the person that's a female, if she's not your mother, if she's not your daughter, if she's not your wife, um, uh, um, then unfortunately, if it's other woman, that is not, that you cannot be a, a, a wakil to, then, then unfortunately you're not supposed to touch that woman. May Allah protect all of us, inshallah. I mean, inshallah. Another question came through. Sheikh says, Assalamu alaikum. What if making your tawaf between hundreds of people, it could be a possibility that you do can break? What do you do in that case? Okay, I like the question the way it's said. Uh, we need to understand when the possibility the possibility is there but nothing has happened then your do is totally intact it could it could be the possibility it could be so great as you could have touched many people but you didn't touch anybody and you didn't touch purposefully or didn't mean to touch anybody then your do is completely intact right? there's, there's nothing wrong. it doesn't break your do um, it's, 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 it's just also that we should be cognizant, aware of how we interact with people, right? Now, I'm sure the person's making a reference here to the fact that the people in Tawaf, sometimes the male have a, a haram on and a portion of his arm is open or something like that, and you might just be able to touch. Now, we must just be aware of the fact that we are not touching on those people, right? And because especially here we're dealing with the opposite sex and Allah has allowed us, Allah knows that under the normal circumstances we're not supposed to be able to interact with, with the opposite sexes in, in, in public. But Allah has given this great ibadah called Hajj and Umrah where Allah allows the opposite sex to be around the Kaaba in ibadah with Allah to be, to be at that moment next to one another. We should be developed of such a nature in Iman and Taqwa that we do not fall prey to the possibility of allowing us to be uh, to have emotions for 
the opposite sex. So we should be strong enough to be able to take heed of our own control, control our own emotions so that we do not go to negative that is in front of Allah around the Kaaba. Shukran so much for that Sheikh. We have to move on to our final segment being leadership in Islam and its progression. However before we move along, Sheikh here is one question that came through with regards to our previous segment and says Assalamu alaikum, does my husband's brothers and uncles break my hudu? Are they my mahram? Um I think a very relevant question to do uh, as to what we busy with in the issue of wudu. Does does my brothers, my my husband's brothers, break my wudu? Our Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam says to us that your husband's brothers are actually a sense of danger in having complete intimacy and interaction with them. Meaning, you must remember when you come in the presence of your Muslim, your brother, your husband's brothers, that you are decently dressed. Now, when you stay in your husband's brother's uh, house, then you need to see that your dress is the moment you come out of your room, that your dress is decent, that you cannot be exposed. And so obviously they can, you can marry them. You can marry them, not whilst you are married to your husband. You can marry them after your husband has passed on. Or if there's separation between you and your husband, then you can marry them. They are not mahrams of yours. So the very fact that you, they are not your mahram, you can marry them. So obviously they break your wudu, right? Similar with the uncles of the husband, you can also marry them. And they can also marry you after the demise, after your demise of your husband or the separation between you and your husband. Then in that case, they're also not your mahram. And because they're not your mahram, you can marry them and they can marry you. And in that case, they break your hudu. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. That then now completes our question segment for our segment being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? So now we move along to our next topic being leadership in Islam and its progression. And do know that the SMS line as well as the WhatsApp line is always open for your questions with regards to what Sheikh is going to be speaking about. Sheikh is going to be continuing where Sheikh stopped yesterday. Sheikh Bismillah. Shukran Jazakrakhir with Andrew Yasmina. We are now in the segment called Leadership in Islam and its progression. Now in the issue of leadership in Islam and its progression, we were dealing with a topic called communication and the importance of communication in love of the life of the Muslim. Under the subject called communication, there is a section or a subheading called the issue of listening, right? Which we started off yesterday with. And here we looked at, at the process what listening is all about. What we said that it's about a listening is all about a message that we receive and that inf- that message receives information so we need to do we need to, to listen to the message because the information is important and that message is then coming from somebody which is the base where it comes from and you and I are the receiver of that right now uh, that message which we're listening to uh, uh, in actual fact needs to happen in a environment where noise has been suppressed and we say noise we say we mean anything that's going to disturb the in- information for us to be able to know what the information is is called noise so we need to be cognizant of the fact that we do not entertain noise whilst we need to listen right and the, we also need to have the ability to get feedback which means feedback means if the person or give feedback um, 
when the person has given us the message that we have the right to ask questions to make surety to make sure or to verify the information that there has been right so those are the the issues that we deal with when it comes to what is listening all about right we said just again listening is all about the fact that we get a message where there is information in that message we need to understand that that message um, it comes from somebody who is called the source and it goes to the receiver the person who listens to the message it needs to be in the environment that where we suppress or remove what we call noise unnecessary sounds things that's not going to benefit the message uncalled for situations right and we need to be able to have the sense of encouraging feedback meaning the person who has spoken who has given us the message with the information we have the right to be able to speak to him to confirm what he said to be the truth or to verify so that we can know that we understand the message and that's important in listening right those are the, th- the things that makes up uh, up the issue of listening the scholar speaks to us and they say to us when it comes to the issue of listening the person who is a listener they must do the, the following things it's called for that person to have an open mind the person that's listening which means as Muslims it's a necessity that we always when people are speaking to us we always have an open mind your mind is open you listen attentively to what is being said what is the information the person is giving to you and then they say the second poet point is that not to let our attention be diverted by our own reaction of what is being said meaning that we're listening to the message we're listening to the information this message has with an open mind and we do not allow our attention to be diverted by what has been said we we still pay attention to it now sometimes you and I listen to something and then we can be diverted or distracted because of what's been said we must try to keep focus keep calm whilst listening to the message now listening means sometimes the information is going to be harsh hard and comfortable not conducive or most probably we're not used to this but we need to be calm collected contented and not react to what we just heard right keep calm because if as long as the presenter of that message is not complete with what he or she is prepared to tell us we don't understand the message and if we don't understand the message our reactions is not going to be good it's going to be more harmful more uncomfortable and so in that case it's recommended for us to be able to keep con- collected calm so that we can carry on to now yes i know sometimes the message comes an uncomfortable message and, and, and i react but it's best that we do realize that can happen to me i can probably react and but uh, i i should rather keep quiet or should I rather keep my emotions within me know what i'm going through keep quiet and listen to see what is the completion of that message it might just be that whatever has said been said at the beginning of the message was an introduction to something and it's going to take me some to something other somebody tells me something and then he says to me but 
So whatever has been said, the but open sort of removes that and gives me a, another message, right? So, so uh, if I do not listen to completion, I might not understand, right? And the, the, they say the third thing that needs to happen, we need to give consideration to the speaker's body language. We need to listen to the person, the one who speaks to us, the one who sends us the message, the one who gives us the message. But if the person is in front of us, we need also look at the body language. So what is all in that message that this person is giving to us, right? So that's the person listening. And then they said the fourth thing that he, the, the, uh, the listener should do, focus on the information being given. Focus on the information. Even though we understand the body language, if the body language adds to that, it gives more quality and, and it gives more clarity, then yes. If the body language is some other, somewhat other, but the person gives, then try to focus on the information. What did the person say? And it's important for me to know, we've said prior, that the only way I can probably carry over messages is after having listened appropriately and not being able to add anything to the message, right? So I need, that's why the scholar says to me, I need to be focused on the information that's given so that when I pass over information, I may be absolutely sure that what I'm passing over is exactly what is being said to me and that I do not give the other messages that I deduct out of all the situation, right? Um, the fifth one, they say, that you and I need to be physically prepared to want to listen. Now, that is an important factor. You know why? Because many a people in our day and time that we are living in are listening superficial. We, we, we're not listening, we're hearing information. We hear but we don't we don't put the intention to want to pay note pay listen attentively to note exactly what is the information this person wants to share with me and we sometimes react and respond to what we think or how we interpret it without going to the extent and thus they say the scholar says part of the process of listening within islam is to make the firm intention to want to be prepared to listen physically. I'm standing here, I want to listen to decipher the information that comes from the message of the person. That's such an important factor. It brings about quality in communication, and if it brings about quality in communication, it opens the mind for possible processes of negativity to be able to know what must be removed. It also helps me to be able to have a sense of good response and appreciation for what has been said, what information has been coming to me, and I then can gently respond back to the process. Whereas if I am not prepared to tune myself and to control myself or guide myself onto a means to listen to a person, to prepare, to be prepared for listening, then unfortunately we create a world of havoc, reaction, remo movement, and, and yama, May Allah to protect. And this is happening so commonly. So it, it, it spreads like wildfire. It corrupts, it destroys, it breaks down positive qualities because we are not making our duty the issue of I want to listen. I, I must listen. Now, some scholar says to us, the fear that we need to have of the issue of within good communication, which is to do with 
good leadership. It's all about the fact that I need to have that ability to identify my strengths and my weaknesses and know that my strengths, I must qualify it much better and my weaknesses must be able to identify what it is and find the means and way with assistance of others how to overcome my own weaknesses so that I can grow and develop. So growth and development in the life of a Muslim is a continuous thing and it never ever ends. And, and, and the awareness thereof is something that needs to be part of me that I need to grow with on a continuous basis. So those are the five things and I must probably I think it's such an important fact that I feel I want to repeat it for all of us, right? This is just what the scholars are saying. When the person needs to be a listener, you and I need to listen then. When are we listeners? They say first and foremost, keep an open mind. So that about the, what the speaker is saying, what, who, whether your speaker is your, your partner, your child, your peer, your boss, your, 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 your people working with you, or where and when. If somebody speaks to you, listen to the person be, and have the mind open. Don't, don't uh, uh, he could be meaning this, he could be meaning that. He could be meaning a million and one things, but be open the mind so that you probably can listen to what the person has said, right? And second is it, do not allow your attention or our attention to be diverted uh, um, in reacting to what is being said, right? Let, let us not be, be quick to do that, let us take our time. Third this is give consideration to the body language of the person so that you can probably understand. At the same time, number four, they say, be focused on the information that's been given. And if, if you're not sure that there's a body language shows something other, you have the right to be able to, because you've listened, you now can speak to the person by saying, but do you mean X? Or do I understand? Or is this what you mean? So it's that feedback that you get from the person to be able to know how to know, sure, I've just made clear or verified the fact that I understand the message. And then the last one, the scholar says, part of the least listening process, and especially in today's time, is that to be physically prepared to make the niyyah, the pure intention, inshallah, may Allah grant me somebody who gives value, who gives honor, who gives respect to these two things that Allah has put onto the sides of my head. For Allah has created it and Allah has given it a purpose for it. And I'm the, the one who's supposed to give value to it as what it is. Now my eyes was created to be able to look around and to see. And I've been guided to, by Allah as I look around. Similarly, my ears was created by Allah so that I can listen. I can hear and I can listen. And hearing means a lot of noise comes in. Many things I hear, but I need to listen so that I can decipher from the hearing what the listening is, that the information that needs to come to me is not uh, uh, contaminated with wrongful things. And that Allah grants me to understand the information that comes through the message. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We also in our last segment being a leadership in Islam and its progression. And for now, we continue. Sheikh Bismillah. Shukran for that one, Yasmina. Just before the break, we were dealing with the issue of under this heading of leadership in Islam and its progression. We're dealing with the topic of communication and under communication we'll be dealing with the importance of listening in our life. 
and 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 we see how how these things these are skills that needs to be developed they just not there yes we all here but are we have we developed the skill of listening we all here my child my baby yes my child my my son my daughter they hear i hear you hear we hear and uh, the husband hears the wife and the wife hears the husband the mother hears the children the children hears the mother but is the process of listening a development that we are listening to one another because many of these things is happening in life and that we see that comes through a process of negative leadership that each and every one of us needs to implement and needs to be able to show to our peers and those people that deal with us in life we need to show them we need to educate them we need to skill them through ourselves that listening is a skill that needs to develop hearing is a possibility for everybody and anybody everybody hears but had this everybody have the skill of listening do we develop that and the scholars are saying this is imperative this is extremely imperative this is important if we need to get to the level of what islam said to us remember it is our nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam who taught us the necessity of leadership and he says that each and every one of you no matter how young you are no matter how old you are no matter how rich you are no matter how poor you are no matter your status of greatness and position and no matter whether you have no status leadership is a necessity that each and every one of you when you say i am a muslim or i want to be muslim then you need to make it part of your life as a necessity as a part and you live by that oh nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam put it onto us kullukum Ra'in, each and every one of you are going to take leadership in your life or you must take leadership in your life or you need to show leadership or you need to develop leadership in your life whatever load we're going to give you expectation we're going to give you says the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam we're going to keep you responsible for that we're going to keep you responsible for you fulfilling the things that you're supposed to be leader of one of those things is communication and communication is not possible without having to have good listening listening skills so as we said hearing is possible but listening is something and the scholar says the ability to learn the skills of listening the ability to learn the skill of listening and to develop with that is something that is a need for this ummah especially in the day and time that we find ourselves in there's such a lot of noise that comes our way when i speak about noise now i speak about many things that we hear things that we hear that we don't need to we need to know amongst the many things i hear what can i remove that's called noise so that i can listen to the positive messages that there is we are at, we are in a time where we are bombarded with information a lot of information some of that information has been shared with us by we need to hear these things we need to know if i do not have the skill of listening i might be hearing many things that can be of benefit and many other things that can corrupt and destroy and can take me off the path of allah and his rasul so yes the skill of listening is the skill that you and i need to walk work with so that we actually get quality in our life 
quality in our relationships, quality that we deal with and meaning and care and compassion and love that needs to develop through the process of leadership. May Allah grant that really to come within us. And so the scholar says to us, the skill of listening and the learning of that skill is needed because not all of us have the Allah didn't grant it to us, it's given to us, right? Um, as we said, the skill of hearing is given to everybody. But the skill of listening is something that each and every one of us must understand, young or old, rich or poor, um, affluent or not, right? Uh, uh, it's something that we need to develop, it needs to grow. We need to know to go out there to seek how to develop that within me. And the first is to use the people around me. Like for instance, if, if, it's, if it's something that I can develop with, and I can grow with it, and I can improve with it, then obviously I will leave the impact of that with the people that's around me. The impact of that, and I will also show them and guide them how to be able to realize that listening is something that we need to be able to give to one another. We see in life today, it's not a norm that we do not listen to one another. Many a time these people in life, the impression is, Ik verstaan sommer alles. Ik weet sommer alles. Ik het verstaan wat je gezegd het. But we know they have got no perception. They haven't understood anything. Because they did not listen. They are deep down. But their character is, Ik weet, ik verstaan. Those are the corruptions that happens in our life. That is the noise that's happening. Because je sees sommer but you don't want to grow, you don't want to learn, you don't want to become the leader Islam expects of you to be, you don't want to be the Muslim Islam guides you to. Now this is imperative, it's important. I and you must, us moet glo vast ons moet groei. Ek moet elke dag kan groei, ek moet kan erken my swakhede, ek moet kan weet, ek het baie swakhede, ek, dat is baie iets wat ek nog moet groei mee. Ek moet nie kan gloe, ek is perfect nie. Because as jy gloe, jy is perfect, as jy jy inset, shaitan is selfde, mag Allah vir ons bevaar, shaitan het gegloe, hy is perfect, toe wees Allah vir ons, hy is nie perfect nie. Nog minne ek, nog minne jy, ons allemaal moet groe, inshallah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are still in our segment, Leadership in Islam and its Progression, and also a gentle reminder to the excursion that's happening on the 26th of March, inshallah. Definitely the, this coming this Sunday, so Get your pens and papers handy and jot that down into your diary. And then a bit later on as we're nearing the end, final end of the show, she will be explaining some of the other details that's needed left out. Well, we actually have time in terms of doing that. So, Chef, you can explain to us more on the excursion, inshallah. And also, Chef mentioned that we must dress comfortably as well as wear tackies and so forth. So, is there any other details that Chef also wants to mention? Shukran jazakallah khat, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I think there's the last few minutes, definitely, Asmina. So just a reminder for our people. It's a Sunday, inshallah, that we're meeting. We're telling you the meeting place is going to be at um, a Burhanul Center in Bukhap, in Penn Street, inshallah, opposite the Bismillah Cafe. So that's where we're meeting, inshallah. We're meeting there in the morning, six, uh, 7 o'clock, inshallah. And then from there onwards, we... Uh, ask our people we will be put we will be together there and see how can we uh, qualify the quality of being good seeing that we benefit through the process of this excursion inshallah um we're gonna enjoy our time with one another 
and we're going to see how can we grow and develop and how we can implement many of the things that we've shared in the the cause here inshallah may Allah grant us to be able to be of those people that we can identify these things in our life and see how can we develop with one another inshallah and so we've asked your people to be able to be dressed um, in a simple manner uh, decent islamically for dress and to have a pair of tackies on not high heels or anything of that nature and and to be able to have uh, for ladies to have a pants on if you don't mind right under their clothing just in case of the weather we do not know what the weather is um uh, secondly we we will say to you if you're bringing along anything to enjoy please see that you share with others right we we will not want you to to encourage the fact that i'm eating out of my pocket and if you come there and you have you need to take medication we must probably going to assist in, in whatever there is to eat and to, 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 to drink. Then see that you have your medication with you, please, if you don't mind. Um, because uh, we would love to know uh, uh, what type of needs that there is when you come there. Um, that we can assist and help with you, inshallah. Um, see that you bring along a pen and a piece of paper, something to write on. To check, take down notes, please. A pen and a piece of paper, every one of us. And then... Um, if you probably can have a tasbih with you to be able to use the tasbih whilst making dhikr and ibadah as we move along, um, that would be healthy. But if we're going to be in sessions together where we're going to share information that that moment we do not make the dhikr, we might ask Allah to accept our moments of making the discussions that we have a means of ibadah for us, if you don't mind. right? So that that's what we're going to do. And uh, we ask you people um, that we cooperate with one another. The, remember we are dealing with one of the lessons that we're dealing with is the issue of leadership in Islam and we hope to be able to in, to bring that into the process of this, of this matter and we're going to be exposed of the practicalities of that. We hope to be able to see how can we live that so that its reality can come back to the Ummah of Islam inshallah in this excursion and how we're going to work together with one another and how we can bring harmony and love and affection and cooperation and become brothers and sisters for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. May Allah grant khair and barakah as we go along. Um, I think that is all the things that we need to bring. We have forgot, I forgot one important factor, bring yourself along and if you probably can come with a vehicle so that we, we can move from point one to from point A to point B, if you can be in a vehicle. Now, other than that, please inform Voice at the Cape um, as to what your status is of a vehicle if you can bring your friends along and and your friends can be with a vehicle or you can move along with a vehicle would be better than not having a vehicle along right um if other means and ways please try to keep contact with auntie uh zarina of the voice of the cape she's the one that deals with the, with the with the people and we need to know how many people there is so that we can make preparations i want to remind our people please the total is important because um, it, it would be very uncomfortable if we do not have the right things for you there and we get there and we don't have things for you. How would you feel? We wouldn't want to make you feel, feel bad or uncomfortable. We would want to say to you, welcome, Ahlan Masalan. So if you speak to your brothers and your sisters and your friends and your neighbors, then encourage them to come along. It will only be a benefit. I'm absolutely sure for that, inshallah. And we're meeting there at 7 o'clock, inshallah. The excursion runs up till 12, 12.30. Um, we will not be at one place. We will be moving around, and I'm absolutely sure, sure you're gonna enjoy yourself to, the, to a thorough enjoyment, inshallah. May Allah open the path and grant us khair and barakah, inshallah. Um, we, I think, we now come to the end of what we've shared with you.
what needs to happen there is not more than that needs that needs to happen we've said to you you need a tasbih um we also say to you if you feel you must bring something like a chair along because you you can't always stand you want to sit uh, and i'm speaking about something small as a chair not necessarily a big chair because it's difficult to cart chairs around but uh, you want to sit on to something then you may have something that's easy to sit on or otherwise if you want to bring along a salata paichi uh, a musalla and you want to throw it and you want to sit on the salata paichi you may be able to do so during the course of the the, the movement or wherever we are or we, if we do get out from here from point a to point b or whatever of that nature inshallah may allah grant us khair and barakah um i just uh, i'm extremely excited to know i'm going to meet up with you people or you're going to meet up with us and we're going to interact and relate to one another and i'm sure positivity will come from this inshallah may allah grant khair and barakah inshallah and grant us what it's good for dunya and for akhirah and we've reached the moment oh unfortunately we, we come to the end of this program so we ask of you to make dua equally with us we put our hands together and we ask of allah to guide us bismillahirrahmanirrahim إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي حُسْرٍ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاسَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاسَوْا بِالصَّبْرِ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى سَيِّدِنَا وَمَوْلَانَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَبَارِكْ وَسَلِمْ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَبِحَمْدِكَ نَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ نَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَنَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ الحمد لله رب العالمين and from myself Yasmina Peterson as well as the rest of the team here at Voice of the Cape we bid you assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh